1841, 500 passengers took a 24-mile round trip by train from Leicester in central England to the neighboring town of Loughborough for a temperance meeting. This was the first excursion organized by Thomas Cook, at the time a 32-year-old cabinet maker said to be humble and pious. Monday, September the 23rd, 2019. And his eponymous company announces it has ceased trading, disrupting the travel plans of some 600,000 people from Goa to Gambia to Greece and threatening tens of thousands of jobs worldwide. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Why did Thomas Cook fail so dramatically this week? The British travel company, as we've alluded to, has a 178-year history of booking holidays. It's the world's oldest. But it was brought low by a $2.1 billion debt pile that prevented it from responding to more nimble online competition ever since the era of the internet came about 25 years ago. According to Reuters, its debts built up around 10 years ago due to several ill-timed deals. It had to sell 3 million holidays a year just to cover its interest payments. And it struggled to pitch itself to a new generation of tourists. The 2016 coup attempt in Turkey, one of its top destinations, the heat wave across Europe in 2018, and the uncertainty over Brexit didn't help matters either. Recently, it needed to secure £200 million on top of a £900 million rescue package that had already seemed to be agreed. That would have seen it through the winter months when it receives less cash and must pay hotels and other providers for summer services. The request for an additional £200 million effectively derailed the wider rescue deal that had been months in the making. The terms had been agreed for a recapitalization with its biggest shareholder, China's Fosun, as well as its lenders. In return, the Hong Kong-listed company was to acquire a 75% stake in Thomas Cook's tour operating division and a 25% stake in its airline unit. The company's bosses met with lenders and creditors in London over the weekend to try and thrash out a last-ditch deal to keep the company afloat. Now, clearly they failed on Sunday. But it also seems to be because the British government refused to act as a guarantor to a deal to get that last-minute cash that was sponsored by Spain and Turkey. The recriminations could yet run deep. The number of jobs affected, including at travel agencies, run to around 22,000 worldwide in 16 countries. 9,000 of those are in Britain. It's a pretty dramatic fall. Now, joining me to discuss this, of course, Kelsey Warner, Assistant Business Editor. Hello. And our travel writer at The National, Hayley Skirka. Welcome, Hayley. Hi, thanks. Your, your debut on the Business Extra podcast. <laughs> Welcome. It's good to have you here for this, this topic in particular. And we're going to get some color first on the ground in one of the uh, tourist hotspots where some of these Thomas Cook customers are dealing with the fallout of the company's failure. Uh, Andrew Wilkes, a regular contributor for The National, usually from Ankara, but today he's in Antalya, known for its resorts on the Mediterranean on Turkey's south coast. Uh, Andrew, thanks for speaking to us. You're currently where exactly um, in Antalya? I'm currently in um, the International Departures Terminal at uh, Antalya Airport. Um, 
where all the flights to the UK are uh, uh, heading from. Um, there's been today. Today, uh, there's been uh, so far two flights going back to the UK. Um, more. There were more yesterday, and obviously, there's a lot of Thomas Cook customers turning up at the airport, wondering how they're going to get home, whether they're going to get home. Um, there is a there is a team of uh, staff from the British Foreign Office here who are trying their best to help out. Um, I'd say overall, though, most people are finding the way they're being dealt with uh, pretty satisfactory. Um, yesterday, people were experiencing delays of three hours or so, a little bit more. Uh, but most people were quite happy, given the circumstances, to accept that. Um, today, similar similar kind of delays. Um, and so it's, things on the whole seem to be going smoothly. Flights laid on um, in, in place of Thomas Cook flights have been coming and going. Uh, there are obviously a few hiccups um, given given the scale of the operation. Uh, I can just outline some of the some of the main problems. So a flight to Glasgow has recently departed in the last, I think, hour or so. Um, apparently, the plane sent to uh, pick up uh, the Thomas Cook customers uh, for that Thomas Cook flight was wasn't as big as the uh, the original plane intended. Uh, so. Around 50 um, Thomas Cook passengers were not able to make that flight. Now, they've been told that they will be returned to the UK, but not necessary to Glasgow, which is obviously causing a degree of um, stress and anxiety amongst a lot of people. Um, another issue uh, is that there seems to be a problem. Um, certainly, this is a situation, well, a situation that existed yesterday and also is happening today whereby some people in the same party, be they families or groups of friends, are being split up. Some of them will be on the passenger list for a certain flight, some aren't. Um, yesterday, I spoke to um, a couple of families who uh, experienced this, uh, whereby the father, well, one family in particular, the, the father and his two very young daughters were on the flight, but their mother was not on the flight. Um, so that obviously causes a lot of problems because nobody wants to leave a family member behind in Turkey. Um, that, on the whole, is the, uh, is the situation here in Antalya, really. Andrew, are you finding that uh, passengers or Thomas Cook uh, customers are showing up to the airport early because they're anxious about getting home or sorting out tra travel? Yes, a lot of people are getting up early and arriving early. Um, or even cutting their vacation short to maybe troubleshoot oh, no. after I've, seeing these headlines. Everyone I've spoken to is, is basically turned up for flights on the day they're supposed to be, they would have been returning anyway. If they're turning up early, it's we're talking hours rather than days. Um, I mean, they have been in contact with um, the Civil Aviation Authority in the UK via the, its website but also and also via email. Although I did speak to one couple this morning who um, who were they were due to get the Glasgow flight that I mentioned earlier, which left at around I think four to two three hour time. Um, they had been due to get that flight, but they received an email from the uh, CAA at one a.m. this morning, informing them that they had to get an earlier flight to Manchester, which. They only checked their emails at nine o'clock this morning, by which time that flight had left. So obviously that wasn't um, very well planned for their circumstances. Also, they've been checking. They told me they were checking the CAA's website 
to check that they were um, on that flight, on that original flight to Glasgow. And up until the point where I was speaking to them, which was just a couple of hours ago, uh, they were saying that website was till, still telling them they, they were on their original flight to Glasgow. So um, the coordination of this rescue operation, if you want to call it that, is, is um, there's, a, there's a few holes in it. I mean, it, the scale is quite incredible. And, you know, as you said, the, the rescue operation, the, we've mentioned the largest in peacetime uh, his, mm. history for, for Britain. But it isn't just the, the tens of thousands of, of British holidaymakers. It, there are other nationalities as well affected. And, um, you know, you, where you are in Turkey is a popular spot. Do you get a sense that this is beyond just the British uh, holidaymakers at the moment? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm aware that there are obviously... Um, Many tourists from, in particular, uh, the Scandinavian region, Germany and Russia, who are um, uh, booked their flights or hotels with um, with uh, Thomas Cook related companies. They don't seem to be affected so far. In fact, I, I, I saw two um, Thomas Cook Thomas Cook Condor uh, uh, airlines fly, sorry, aircraft flying. Um, from Antalya this morning. That's the the German subsidiary of uh, of Thomas Cook. So they seem to be um, they seem to be having no problems at all at the moment. But who knows how things will change in the coming days? Uh, Andrew Wilkes, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, I hope you get My home pleasure. okay um, on whatever flight uh, you're I'm booked sure on. I'm sure I will. <laughs> thanks, Andrew. Thank you very much, Kelsey Haley. This story to me is quite sad. Uh, Thomas Cook was a very well-known brand uh, for almost 200 years. Many, many people across Europe knew of it and had used it to go on holiday. Obviously, less so in in recent years because of the rise of the internet and other ways to book your holiday. But the fact that it unraveled so quickly, leaving so many people virtually stranded... Well, that's something actually I wanted to talk about because we first heard rumblings about this a couple of weeks ago, really, that Thomas Cook was really in distress and that uh, signs of a wind-up or possible total shutdown of operations were afoot. And so um, – and that's a, at that point as the American I stood up and said, what's Thomas Cook? Um, because <laughs> I actually did not have the storied history that I now do. And so I'm just wondering, Haley, if you can speak a little bit to um, – We've known about this for a few weeks now, and yet now we've got, you know, the largest repatriation effort in history during peacetime. How did how did this happen? Well, I mean, well, first of all, yeah, it is definitely a sad week um, for the travel industry. Um, it's one of the oldest travel companies, and um, basically they're thought of as the company that started the mass tourism market. Um, so it's a sad day. Um, I think in terms of holidaymakers, uh, there's more than up to half a million around the world. Um, in terms of holidaymakers, they were still booking holidays and Thomas Cook were still selling holidays up to the last minute. Obviously, that's financially linked. They have to keep trading. Um, but people, especially Brits, uh, I can say that being one myself, they they like a bargain. So Thomas Cook were selling holidays to the last minute. Uh, people had heard the rumors and Many of them maybe thought they would get uh, a good deal. I mean, to be fair, when, you're not having any holidaymakers in places like Turkey, Tunisia, Egypt, elsewhere around the world, um, feeling high and mighty about all of this. I mean, and many have even said, at least we have jobs to go back to as opposed mm. to the Thomas Cook employees. So there's a certain amount of um, stoicism. We've had a holiday. 
let's try and get back. But there is there are the complications, and this is kind of what's making the story um, so dramatic, of where um, reports of, hol- of hoteliers holding people virtually to ransom and saying, you can't leave here until you pay a bill that they thought they had already paid. Yeah. And I that I mean, that works because Thomas Cook, they they take a deposit from the customer, but then they won't always um, pay the hotel in advance. Often the payment comes afterwards. So hoteliers have all these travelers staying there um, and they have bills that haven't been paid. On one hand, it seems a bit um, harsh that they are holding people hostage. But if you flip it around and if you think you're a hotelier perhaps here in Dubai and you have people coming from a country uh, halfway across the world, a tour company that has a long history but hasn't been paying its bills perhaps for some time and you've got people there in front of you, you can see why it's, it's come to that. But obviously for the holidaymakers that have maybe saved up all year or even longer for this trip, it, it's not a, a good situation to be in. I mean, I would say in the Middle East, it seems uh, the fallout will be somewhat limited. You, we do have hotels um, from Thomas Cook in the countries I mentioned, as well as in the UAE. But certainly in the UAE, there's no sense that any um, people staying in those hotels are going to have any problems. It seems like that's all going to be fairly smooth here. Yeah, I think so. Most of um, UAE bookings with Thomas Cook are done through Thomas Cook India, and that's a completely separate entity. So those plans won't be affected at all. Um, in Ras al-Khaimah, there's the Smart Line Hotel, which is uh, a Thomas Cook-owned brand hotel, but it's also owned by the Bin Majid Group. And they have said that they are they won't be throwing any holidaymakers out and that their priority is for the people that are there to enjoy the rest of their holiday. I mean, there's reputational considerations. Exactly. For the operators, for tourism industries, which is probably why the Spanish and the Turkish were keen uh, to keep Thomas Cook going. Even if the British government perhaps wasn't as keen as it seems. If we're being generous, um, the British government has other things to worry about, such as Brexit, <laughs> um, which, which, you know, is the twists and turns of which um, are occupying the efforts and the minds of, of, of most people. But the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who flew out to New York for the UN General Assembly, uh, quoted, um, you know, the moral hazard of rescuing um, a company like Thomas Cook. It's not the first time in recent years that even travel companies have failed and there's had to be some kind of um, government intervention. Um, But we do anticipate that the uncertainty around Brexit could cause other businesses to go under. So is this the British government saying we're not going to rescue anybody or we're just not going to rescue travel companies? And 200 million pounds was needed to keep it going for the next few months because the business is cyclical as we mentioned earlier, has to pay most of its bills. Now doesn't collect very much over winter compared to summer. And so it really needed to keep going over that period. I mean, according to analysts, it has hundreds of millions of pounds of assets that it can lean on. I mean, this isn't a a company that when it goes into liquidation, there won't be anything there. But the fact that other governments were willing to put up the cash or other entities were putting up the cash and the government wouldn't even act as a guarantor they may rue that in, in, in the weeks and months to come, particularly with the job losses and the issues you're having with the economy in Britain. The job losses, taxpayers now uh, handling the burden of flying their fellow British citizens back to their home country. Well, 100 million pounds, yeah. apparently, is the cost. So, right, from a, from a tone, setting a tone pre-Brexit, 
uh, it's a bit of a rough conversation for the, for Boris Johnson to be having. Um, Haley, I don't know if you can speak a little bit more to uh, what were, went wrong at Thomas Cook. You're such a student of travel. <laughs> what what trends did they miss? Yeah. Um, first, I think it's important just to mention that uh, Operation Matterhorn, as they're calling the the rest or <laughs> the, the repatriation attempt, <laughs> it is very dramatic. That. Um, a lot of that money won't come from taxpayers and the government funds. Um, a lot of that money will come from Atoll, which is um, a fee that holidaymakers pay when they book a package holiday. So on every package holiday, you pay, I think it's £2.50, maybe like 10 dirhams. Um, and that's where a lot of the money will come from to bring holidaymakers back home. So, so does that fee get pulled into a kitty that then... Like, that is then used for situations like this. So it's not just the two fifty that's been paid by by these holidaymakers. No, it's, it's from holidaymakers for the past twelve. The, the, the idea past most the past history, don't fail. right? Exactly. But now yeah. a lot of packages have. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that and, is a pretty a mi- big a million, bill. <laughs> a million future bookings apparently also affected. Right. So if you think about demand for tourism, travel in general, I mean, you assume some of those million will will be rebooked. Yeah, but there's always mm-hmm. there'll always be a lag. Yeah, but as for um, Thomas Cook and how they failed, um, obviously they started as this um, pioneering tourism company, and they led the way on so many things. They were the first um, to introduce uh, circular knots, which were the precursor to travelers' checks as we know them today. Uh, they did that all the way back in 1874. Uh, they were the first to take UK tourists to Europe um, in 1855 to the US um, and the first to do around the world trip with UK tourists. Um, That was a 222 day trip called the London to London tour. Uh, They were also the first to bring UK tourists to Egypt and Palestine, which they did in 1869. So so they were a company of firsts and they were very much at the top of their game. Uh, They also opened their first high street in London. um, And from there, they grew it with the high street formula, if you like. So when they closed, they had almost 600 high street stores, which at one point was great because it meant travelers had ease of access. It was convenient. They could pop into the travel agents and someone would book all their travel for them. So as uh, the internet became more widespread and um, people had easy access to the internet, these high street stores were not so relevant anymore. And I think they actually became um, somewhat of a burden on Thomas Cook, um, who seemed just too like, wedded to their old ways. They, they weren't changing with the times and with the, the modern day world. Uh, yeah, they, their solution seemed to be to merge with other operators like them to become bigger and bigger and bigger, which is where the debts came from, yeah. rather than maybe more targeted and a little bit more in line. One thing that I thought was quite um, appropriate was Airbnb's announcement that they're planning to IPO mm. next year. So Airbnb, it's a company that is 10 years old. Yeah, I think so. But is in more countries than Thomas Cook now. More countries and uh, about a decade old and most recently valued at $31 billion privately. And last week indicated that in 2020, the IPO, once the whole WeWork fiasco uh, quiets down, that they expect to uh, make moves. But yeah, Airbnb has also you know, indicated a willingness to wrangle with regulators and really fight tooth and nail to do business. Whereas I think Thomas Cook really... Um, 
they never they were never bold. They never really tried to reinvent travel in any way. Actually, it's interesting, Haley. I think in one of your stories earlier this week, you had posted a GIF of uh, Thomas Cook's logos over the years. Yeah, which was a really I thought beautiful illustration of Thomas Cook's. Um, you know, this their storied past, but around the mid-70s, they became this very almost like neutered, colorless, just Thomas Cook the name was their brand. There was no reference to that history. And from the 70s onwards, they really didn't reference their history in their branding. It was sort of almost a generic logo, um, which I think was a bit of a harbinger of things to come. It's also around the time that they were going on an acquisition spree and opening up yeah. stores all over high streets all over London. Yeah. It'd be, I mean, even though there's so many people who've booked their, their holidays, I mean, you were saying, Haley earlier that people like a deal. Yeah. So w- was, was this a case of more people than, than possibly would normally be affected by the failure of this company because Thomas Cook was doing its best to sell those 3 million holidays that it needed to stay afloat and so was willing to cut mm. very, very good deals to get people to book with them who wouldn't normally book with them? Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. I think it could have been. that. Obviously, they were trying to – they have all this debt and they're trying to capitalize or to – to pay that off. So if they can offer package holidays, then at a good deal. I mean, that's what they've always been known for is like low cost, affordable holidays. Um, so I think they did try to push that. So yeah, maybe people heard the rumors and, and wanted to get. A um, as, a tra- as a travel journalist, and you get approached by hotels, airlines, doing a lot of business, would I mean, it used to be that they could go to an operator like Thomas Cook and that would be the best marketing that they could possibly do. And does does that not that nowadays you have to be far more aggressive and nimble and, and understand who your, your, your target market is? Yeah, I think so. And I think like so many people are not using travel agents. If you want to survive as a travel agent, you have to offer something special. So you have to have a niche market, you have to have the boutique um, offerings or you have to have adventure travel, something where you bring the expertise. If all you're offering is um, cut price hotel packages and flights, people can find that for themselves on travel aggregate sites. Yeah, if anything, I feel like Thomas Cook, um, they aged with their consumers a little bit, but their their customer could go to Booking.com or Kayak or Skyscanner. And then Airbnb came along and captured that whole new generation of customer. And then Thomas Cook never really had a chance with with that new generation to even make their own make their pitch. Yeah. That was never really attempted, I don't think. But maybe you can speak more to that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I think if you look at um, TUI, who's probably Thomas Cook's major competitor, um, they're a, a very similar brand. Um, but what they've done is they've branched out more um, into having cruise operations and they own more hotels. They've expanded that arm of the business rather than relied solely on their high street travel agency booking system, which is very much what Thomas Cook have done. And then you've got also this kind of bargain basement pricing. That's Is this becoming an issue actually in the travel industry that um, there's a sort of race to the bottom that are really cutting into margins when you've got a proliferation of budget airlines as well as providers. Like, how how are these companies making money? Are you like, is this a concern? 
Um, I mean, there's obviously we all heard about uh, Wow Air, which collapsed earlier this year. And um, I think there were quite a few airlines in 2019 that have gone under. Um, and a lot of it is down to that. And also the, like the rising price of jet fuel is another issue. Um, so it's a whole, a whole mixture of issues. I think in Thomas Cook's case, it was all of those issues, plus the Brexit uncertainty, plus the fact that people are, are spending less and want to spend less and get the bargain prices. Um, there's been a lot of criticism about previous management at Thomas Cook. I mean, there was a figure of something like £30 million paid to chief exec- the last three chief executives in total, uh, none of whom, I think, in hindsight, would be said to have steered the company in a pretty healthy direction. I mean, we talked about the potential impact on some of the tourism markets. We'll have to see how markets like Egypt and Tunisia are affected. Um, Turkey, the concern hundreds of thousands of tourists may opt to go somewhere else um, in the vacuum. Um, but now we've got um, Alex Partners who will oversee the liquidation. Uh, KPMG will manage some of the subsidiaries of Thomas Cook. Shareholders are finished. They're out the game, um, as is the normal case. Uh, but creditors will get something back. As I said, there are a lot of assets. According to, to the analysis, it's half a billion pounds worth of aircraft on its balance sheets, something like 700 million pounds in cash, and about a billion pounds of money owed to it that is still to come. I mean, that's a lot of money on the balance sheet for a company that's just failed. Right. That is what this sort of overnight, we all woke up here to Thomas Cook no longer existing and stranded hundreds of that, like hundreds of thousands of passengers stranded all over the world. And it just, it seemed like there was more field to play. And so I, I think in the days to come, we'll, we'll get clarity on that. But I still kind of don't understand actually why there was this overnight cease business operations order when it seems like they did have more field to run. I I agree with you. I think a lot of questions are being asked and there will be attempts to answer them. And there will be, I think, as I said earlier, the recrimination will will probably drag on and on here. And in the meantime, we now look to the Airbnb IPO. It's just, (laughs) it's like a perfect uh, passing of the baton almost. Uh, Kelsey and Haley, thanks so much for talking about this subject with us this week. Especially you, Haley. Hope you come back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, please come back, Haley. <laughs> um, before we finish, uh, let me tell you about some of the other stories on the national.ae. The UAE Central Bank revised its growth forecast for the economy to 2.4% for this year from an earlier projection of around 2%, which was in May. Developers are hoping to incentivize potential buyers at this week's Cityscape Global Exhibition by offering discounts, fee waivers, and other deals as the market for property purchases remains somewhat soft. And from money, residents are embracing no-spend September as they look for ways to boost their savings. That's it for today. All that remains is to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, and you for listening. Do join us again next time. Thank you.